Thank you. Hallelujah. No apologies. But uh, I want you to bear with me in the next few moments because we are going to eat meat and bones. <laughs> Say meat. And bones. Just go ahead and bring me my slides and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11. This scripture here should be uh, a principle. Scripture for every believer. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11. In fact, I want to take it from the 9. If you can bring me the 9 first. And to make... All men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ, verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can we have a clap offering? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now we want to look at what all this means. So we're going to get a little teaching. Say teaching. I'm going to teach. I pray for the anointing of teaching. I pray for the spirit of understanding. I pray that God will quicken us to hear, to see, and to understand in this very place. Because we're getting into the very nitty-gritty. So to the intent. Nitty-gritty. Say nitty. The gritty. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Huh. So, it's transforming the church in America. Uh, ministry is fire, Catch the Fire Incorporated. I was sharing with the church that um, it's a twofold work. Uh, we have the Institute of Christian Living and Growth. And then we have the Catch the Fire Incorporated. Catch the Fire is bringing the church into awareness of what God envisioned concerning us and Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And therefore how we are going to live our lives in what we prioritize and what we pursue. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And it's not just uh, prioritizing, it's not just pursuing, but the impact upon family. 
Hallelujah. The impact of it all upon family. We're going to learn some things this evening. How important the family is to the agenda of God. And that all the things that are going on in the world, how they are anti-Christ. We're going to understand how with this teaching, we, we are redefining the essence of the church. And how the church is to understand about herself so that the world will look at us as this is the church. Not as, a, uh, as, as, as an institution of faith, but as a person. The essence of human existence. See, essence of human existence. We get to understand all of this. I said it's meat on bones. So after, we need a substance. We need the foundation to ground the experience. So my next, the transforming the church in America, which we are sowing a seed here. Hallelujah. So we are sowing the seed here. What is taking place here is going to ablaze. And, and bring a, a redefinition of who the church is from God's standpoint and how you and I are supposed to see it and be about it. So we're looking at the envisioned purpose of God concerning Christ and the church. Let me read it again. The envisioned, vision. God had a vision of he did not just start anything. There's a vision. What he envisioned, how he saw it, he purposed it concerning Christ and the church. That is what we want to find out. How did this vision come about? How did this vision come about? We're going to get into the nitty, the meat of it. My next slide. So, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 and 11 is saying that according to the eternal purpose of God, hmm? according, say according. We are going to learn, we're going to teach ourselves to. I'm an adult educator. We, we learn together. Huh? Uh, so we're going to do it together, okay? He said, according to the eternal purpose that God purposed in Jesus Christ, the church, hmm? the church, the principalities and the powers will come to know the manifold wisdom of God. Hello? He said, according. So there is something based upon the Satan, principalities, the church, are going to experience something called the manifold wisdom of God. But it is based on something. Eternal purpose. 
Say eternal. Something that has been eternally purposed. Come on, my next slide. Hallelujah. Okay. So, since the church is eternally purposed, there are two things that we can bring out from it. The church is not self-existing. Let's say it together. The church is not self-existing. God is the only being that is what? Self-existing. Hallelujah. I said God is the only being that who is self-existing. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Self-existing. If it was eternally purpose, something that is purpose, it means it was not there. Hello? So, it, the church was purposed to be brought into being. The church was not. It was purposed to be brought into being. To fulfill an ultimate end in Christ. Hallelujah. You know, so we are looking at that scripture. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 11 is the basic scripture. Apart from maybe John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 verse 11 is a foundational scripture. Basic scripture. We will come to understand this weekend that everything, everything, and I mean everything, anything is coming from that scripture. Come on, let's go. Okay, so in the scripture, the scripture is naming three things. According to the eternal purpose. Are, are you getting me? Said, we are teaching. Follow me. And if you can write something, write something. Amen. Three things named in the scripture. The church. The manifold wisdom of God. Satan and his cohorts. That, those are the principalities and the powers. And they are going to experience the manifold wisdom of God. So, the manifold wisdom of God itself is a thing. Hello? I said the manifold wisdom of of God itself is a thing. Because it is not something that is self-existing. Anything, thing, even you and I, the Bible qualifies us as things. Experiences, things, things. So, all the elements that are mentioned in that scripture are things. The church, the manifold wisdom of God, Satan and his courts, they are all things that have to be brought into being to fulfill something concerning Christ. Are you understanding this? 
You know, so even Satan was brought into being because of something that had been purposed in Jesus Christ. Uh, are you hearing me? I said Satan was brought into being because of something that has been purposed in Jesus Christ. We'll come to know these things. The church has been purposed concerning something of Jesus Christ. They are all not self-existing. It's only God who is self-existing. Another slide. The essence of the eternal purpose of God in Christ. Essence meaning the ultimate end. Say the ultimate end. When, when, you, when you peel it all together, going to the bottom. Say going to the bottom. You know, when you go on to the bottom, the very kernel, the thing, the very last thing, the ultimate end, you know, so there may be some progression of things. Say progression. One, two, three, four, five. And it ends on seven. So seven is the essence. Huh? Are you with me? One, two, three, four, five. Hmm? The fifth one is the essence. The ultimate end of the progression. That is the essence. So we're saying that it's the essence of the eternal purpose of God in Christ. That is what we want to focus on. What was the ultimate end of it? Is there an ultimate end? We're coming to find out. And we want to begin by this question. What do the church, the manifold wisdom of God, Satan and his cohorts, have in common? Hello? Are you following me? So what do they have in common? Ah, purpose. Ah, 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 ah. This is adult education. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. She's saying purpose. So what do they have in common? They have all some one common thing, purpose. They've all been purposed. That are to be brought into being, right? Next slide. So this is how I put it. The church, the manifold wisdom of God, Satan and his cohort, they are all things created by God to fulfill a purpose in Christ. Say created. Huh. <laughs> Hallelujah. The, 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 what they have in common, properties, characteristics. Come on, characteristics. Come on. Say come on. Characteristics. When you look at it all together, there's something common about them. They are all things created by God to fulfill a purpose in Christ. Somebody is sitting there and is looking, hey, so is Satan also fulfilling something in Christ? Hello? Yes. Is Satan also fulfilling a purpose in Christ? Ah, but I thought Satan is an enemy. You know, but I thought Satan is an evil person. How can even Satan be fulfilling something in, in Christ. Now, now, now we get into something to understand the whole agenda of God. That everything that exists on earth has an essence in Christ. Even the fetus. I said the fetus, the air. We come to see it. Everything. everything. 
that have existence. The, the moment the thing has some name, er, the thing has essence. Nothing can exist without an essence in Christ. Nothing. Zero. If, 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 if it doesn't exist, then it, 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 it has no essence. Hello? So not everything that is not, no essence. The moment it takes existence, they have an essence. Now, so gay, lesbianisms, abortion, they all have an essence. <laughs> hey, I'm not, we, 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 I'm not endorsing it all. I'm saying that everything, 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 we understand the dynamics. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we want to get the foundation properly, basic thing, that every human being on earth, this is something that people don't know. They don't know. Many people, even we in the church, we don't even know this. Basic thing. This is basic. Your marriage, this is where it begins. Ah. Your, your, your family, this is where it begins. Everything. Everything. Who you marry. Where you live, the career, everything begins with that eternal purpose. Hey! It has been purposed! Oh, come on. So the question is what was the ultimate promise that the eternal purpose of God in Christ was to yield in Him by the church, etc.? Come on, let's go. We want to look at Colossians 1, verses 2 and 19, 12 and 19. If you can help me with the reading, I will appreciate it. So we can go fast. Uh, oh, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, huh, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Hallelujah. In all things, he might have what? The preeminence. And for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So we're learning something as you bring the slide up. That all things, the church, the manifold wisdom, the Principalities and powers, 
These are things created. Right? Bring me my slide. Things created. And the Bible is saying that all things are to end up with the preeminence of Christ. Hello? I said I'm teaching. All things, including the church, the manifold wisdom of God, Satan and his cause, the principalities and powers, eternally purposed to be brought into being to bring about an end in Christ, which is his preeminence. Hello? So we are looking at that envisioned purpose of God concerning Christ and the church. Envisioned purpose. How he envisioned. He envisioned him as the preeminent person on earth. We come to understand why the preeminence. Give me my next slide. So we're looking at, from a Colossians, that God's eternal purpose in Christ was to bring the, about the preeminence of Christ by these things. I've highlighted the church. So you're looking at marriage, eh, the manifold wisdom of God, Satan, living abode, animals, rivers, mountains, valleys, the land, seas, death, everything, clouds. <laughs> everything. Say everything. This is the envision. Say envision. This is how he saw it. What is the preeminence of Christ? Some jumbo things here, but it is the supremacy of Christ. Say supremacy of Christ. That establishes him as the firstborn of every creature. The firstborn among many brethren. You know all these things in the scriptures, right? You've heard them many times. The firstborn of every creature. The firstborn from the dead. Hmm? The firstborn from what? Among many brethren. Hallelujah. These are all layers of his preeminence. We don't have time to go into all these layers. Hallelujah. But there is something about his preeminence that as the firstborn of every creature, and the, the, that thing is not eternal, so it doesn't have self-existence. So it means that everything, everything that is created has to end up in Christ so that he will be the firstborn of every creature. Hmm? He said it's going to be, this is the vision. It is not there. This is what he envisioned. Firstborn of every creature. Creature, the things, they are not eternal. They have to be brought into being. It is only when they are brought into being that he can have his preeminence as the firstborn of every creature. This is the reason why creation came. Somebody asks you, what is the reason for creation? His preeminence. We don't talk about it like that. Because we are not operating on the basis of the eternal purpose. He's going to be the head of the body. The hair of all things. The Father loveth the Son and hath given him all things. Dominion and rule is establishing him as the King of kings. The Lord of laws. 
He is subduing all enemies under his feet. That all things that the Father has given me power over all flesh. For we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. All things. See, this is vision of God. So I'm saying that since Christ is all sufficient and complete in himself as God, what was the central point for his preeminence by the church? Okay. So, God is eternal. God is uh, self-existing. God is all-sufficient. He doesn't need anything to complete him to be uh, perfect. Huh? Hello? Dr. Justice. God doesn't need anything to make him straight as a person. To fix anything in him. You know, so what was the reason for the preeminence? <laughs> ah, what a word is this. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. We, we, we give God the glory. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're going to, you see, we are learning. You see, this, this, this is very important. Are you seeing this? Colossians 1.17. Jesus, you know, I'm just paraphrasing this. Because I know that scripture very well. You don't have to go to the scripture. So glorify me with thy glory. The one that we had before the world was made. So before the world was made, Jesus had a certain relationship, intimacy with the Father. They, they don't, the, the Godhead didn't need anything to complete them. Jesus is yearning for that intimacy. I had a glory with you before things were made. So some things have come into that intimacy. They, they, they are really impacting that intimacy that they had. John chapter 17, verse 5. Jesus is emphasizing the fact that they had this relationship. Hmm? They had this relationship. That is so precious but sacrificed. Now, this is a little diagram here. I want to show you something. Before all things were created, it means it's the Father, the Son, who had existence. I said before all things came, it means that only the Father and the Son who are eternal, they only were. Is it understood? Because they were the only self-existing being. In that relationship, the father is authority. Say authority. And the son is the obedient one. So Jesus Christ never had preeminence. <laughs> Jesus. The father and the son dwelt by themselves. 
everything was present with them. Infinite love. Love that can never be comprehended. Existed with them. It is something shame that he sacrificed for something. For you. We come to that. But we need to understand that there was some dynamic relationship with them. Jesus said the son does nothing by himself. By what the father asked him to do. In, in, that, in that understanding, he says something uniquely about himself and the father. That the father is the one who has authority to decide what and what. The son is the person who obeys the father. The father, you know, you know in Hebrews chapter 1, he said, God, even thy God. God, even thy God. There's some kind of hierarchy. Say hierarchy. Between the father and the son. The father is the one who authorizes. And the son is the one who does what has been authorized. The son, the father is above the son in function. The son is in subordination to the father. It did not change their properties as God. It is an arrangement. It's a structure of what? Function and living relations. So the son did not have preeminence before all things were made. Come on. So what was the thing that brought about the preeminence? And why the preeminence? Now, we learn from John chapter 3, verse 35, Philippians 2, 9, Revelations 5, 12, that Jesus, God the Father, loved him. Now, in the scriptures, we come to know the core relation, say core relation, the relations between love and giving. If you love, you give. For God so loved the world that he gave. Jacob loved Joseph and made him the coat of many colors. The Bible talks about Jonathan loving David and stripped himself and gave him all his regalia. Alcana loved Hannah and gave her double portion. You know, we are establishing something about love. When there is love, what comes out of it is giving. The father loves the son. What has he given him? What has he given him? John the Baptist said, the father loveth the son and has given him all things. What are the things to be? They are to bring about his preeminence. They are to honor him. It is a matter of honor. Say honor. Honor. Honor, 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 honor. The preeminence of Christ is the honor that God the Father would give to Christ, establishing him as the supreme person of the church, essentially, among other things. The church being the supreme gift of the things that would bring about is preeminence. When you look at the things and their relationship with Christ, are you understanding this? Christ and the church is what brings the ultimate, the complete, the full 
preeminence of Christ as the firstborn of every creature, as the firstborn among many brethren, as the firstborn from the dead, Christ and the church, the head and the body which is Christ, which is, which is the church, the higher of all things, we are joint heirs with him. What he inherited, we inherited it with him. The dominion and rule, we are seated with him in glory over every principality and powers. So when you look into it, it means that all the full, complete uh, preeminence of Christ is in the church. Satan is only a creature. He's not a brother. The heir is only a creature. He's not a brother. Satan is not going to rise with him. As the first one from the dead, it is the church that rises with him. Satan does not die with him to be raised with him. It is the church that dies with him and is raised with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is the supreme, said the church, is the supreme gift of God for Christ to bring him his full, complete preeminence. In all its dimensions. In all its aspects. So, what is really the church? What is really the church? Where is it coming from? Eternally. He and the son existed. There was nothing. He loved him. God gave him all things. In giving him all things, he brought them into aspects, categories. Socially, when we look at the, this aspect, see the head? The head, say the head. The head of the body. The headship, say the headship. The headship of Christ, say the headship. Of Christ. The headship of Christ is what brings about the relationship between God and man. So the headship, the body and the head, the bride, the husband and the wife, relationship. It is in the headship of Christ that brings out the essence of the church as his body and his bride, which unites Christ and the church as one person. The two shall be one flesh. Therefore, the church becoming a part of God. Wow. What he envisioned. In Christ. The substance. Of his love. He. Did not only love. The church. The church is actually. The substance of his love. Christ. The church. Is the expression. Of his love. Christ. I love you. 
I want to give you this. This is the supreme gift that I will give you to bring about your preeminence. The church. The church. We are not dead people that he loved. We are the very expression of his love. The very we, we, we're coming out of love. Hello, give me my next slide. The unionizing of God and man. It didn't come up with because of the sizing. So here you have God the Father. Then Christ is the head. Then you see that little box, the individual believer, Pastor Angie, myself, part of the body, the church, the body, the bride. This is, this is everything. <laughs> this is where we all end. In him as his body, in him as his bride. This is why he brought Adam and Eve in the world. That Adam and Eve will be women. Hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> Hello? Yes. Adam and Eve will be women. The woman is the church. Oh. Are we talking? Men, we have a message. The church is a woman. So me, male, I am a woman to Christ. Whether you like it or not. This is the eternal purpose of God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, they are all women. Anyone who comes into existence and becomes part of Christ is a woman. <laughs> My next slide. Now, this is very important. Please give me time. Give me time. So, in the beginning, forming the church, the church. It's not eternal. It's not self-existing. It has to be brought into existence. Hello? So when you go to Genesis, the creation of man is the beginning of the forming of the church. And you know what it started with? Sand. Oh. <laughs> Dust. Because the Bible says that there was no man to till the ground. And he caused what? Rain. Hmm? Dew to come upon the earth. To form a clay. Now, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, we are looking at where we begin from. The process. The forming of the church. That will end up as a glorious thing. It began with the dust. Clay. Next slide. Then he molded the clay and breathed into him the breath of life. He became a living soul. Next slide. Then he became a sinner. 
He was born by God. Next slide. And was joined with Christ as his body. Are you getting the process? Sand, dust, clay, living soul, sinner, born of God, entered into him as the body. Wow. See, so the church was not brought into being because Jesus died that we are sinners. Hello? That the church did not come into being because we were sinners born of God to live sinlessly and we are going to heaven. Heaven is a place. But we are entering into relationship. Purposed into relationship that would take us to place. Higher. We, are, we need to understand this basic thing. Eternally purposed to be the bride as we see, but first he has to be put into being beginning with the dust. That's where we started from. If you're thinking about morality as the basis, Sin, becoming sinners was not a starting point. You know, I'm taking us to the, the form, the real beginning. Becoming sinners was a middle thing. So it cannot be the basis. It, it is starting from a sand, dust. It means something has been purposed. Jesus loved the church, died for her. Not it, her. Now, the church was not yet in being. So when he was dying, the church had not been formed. Hello? I said when he was dying, the church had not been formed. But he died for the church. What, 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 what did he die for when the church was not in existence? Purpose. Because it is his death that will bring about many children. The seed abides by itself until it goes to the ground and bringeth forth many sons. It abides alone. Useless. So for God to help the children who will become the body of Christ to be betrothed by the bride, the son has to die to bring about the church. So he really did not die because we were sinners. I said, we, we're breaking down. We, we, we're destroying those structures. We were purposed. To attain that purpose, there has to be a dying. To bring about the sons. In so doing, the sin problem will be solved. But it is not really the beginning point. It's a process. To the end. He's sanctifying. He's sanctifying. He's consecrating us. So there's a process going on. Even when you have become born, he's still working on my sins. He's still working on my iniquities, my wrinkles, and the spots in me. Hallelujah. My next slide. If, when we become joined... In the body, 
we enter as joined with Christ as the bride. Hallelujah. Can I get the some clap offering here? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We enter into him as a bride only when we are born. Next slide. So I have something little here. Where I talked about the impact on family. Ah. It means that if the man and the woman does not come together, there's not going to be birth. Hello? And if there's not going to be birth, there's not going to be any being that is going to born. <laughs> and if there's not any being that is going to be born to be the body, then there's not going to be any bride. So are you understanding the essence of marriage? Why he brings the man and the woman together? We're talking about the manifold wisdom of God. The man and the woman coming together is not because they have reached an age that they met each other, they love each other, we got to get married so that everybody knows that we are married. There is an essence to it. There is an ultimate end. I didn't come into my marriage with my dear wife with that knowledge, with this understanding. Maybe you did not. But that is to be the essence of the marriage. If you think about it, what God is doing about eternal purpose that he has purposed in me and you. The bride. The bride cometh not until he's been born by God. God cannot birth him until I've been born by my mother. My mother cannot give birth to me until he's been joined. She's been joined with my father. It impacts parenting. How am I raising my child? To what end? Is it economic? Is it self-actualization? Do I want a child just because the world sees me as married expecting a child? Oh, prophet, I need a child. Why? Abraham says, I want to live to this child of posterity. But that child he was looking for was not going to be just posterity because his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is in above. Who will come from above and come and dwell upon the earth to receive his preeminence by his incarnation. To be joined with all things. Essentially the man. He came as man. So that we can be incorporated in God. To become one with God. To become one part of God. Hey. It, It is not just marriage. It is also becoming a part of God. And part of God. He is the head. The head is God. He's man. When I'm joined with him, 
I've been joined with God. This is the manifold wisdom of God. From dust, he was making a being to be part of him. That is you. So that is you. That is me. Woo. See, this is what White House don't know about us. This is what politicians don't know about us. See, this is what sociological philosophers, intellectuals don't know about us. This is what philosophers don't know about the church. Now God, in his infinite wisdom, is unfolding this vision that he had in man. That I am putting in the earth things that will be gathered into Christ. The church, supremely, to be joined with me in relationship. To be a son of God. In whom he dwells and he dwells in him. So that it will be all in all. Join hers with Christ. What Christ inherits, I inherit. This is who we are. Our substance is that we are the very law of God. Say it with me. Our substance is that we are the very law of God, the Father, to his Son, Jesus. This revelation, this understanding, is what we are talking about, catch the fire. It is not It's all great. When it's coming out of understanding that I am part of God and I'm looking at who God is. This infinite person making me part of him, starting me with the dust. Hey, what can I do but worship? What can I do but to live to that essence? That's what we are. The ambition purpose of God concerning Christ and the church. Being joined. The one who is to come. Not the one who was. To have me. As part of me. Not Satan. Not a lizard. Not an elephant. In the name of Jesus. It must impact your outlook. To yourself. About yourself. How do you make the person at your workplace, in your neighborhood, 
understand this about you. I'm not just a being on earth. I'm the very essence for existence on earth. If you're not part of this, then you have not come into the real essence of your living on earth. So you are not a real human being. You are still a figure, unreal. It is only when you come into Christ as his body, betrothed unto him as his bride, that you have arrived into the essence of your existence on earth, which makes you part of God. If you're not that part of God, then you cannot be with him in his place of abode. When Isaac met Rebecca, he took her. He brought her into relationship and, 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 and brought her to the place of his abode. Taking, forming their relationship. Then the place of abode becomes yours. The gift will live for this purpose. We live for this Pray that the Holy Spirit will minister to you. You are not here for yourself. You are here for God. Are you living for him? As Rebecca laid forth what he had been chosen to be. Are you going to be living for him? For what he is opening you understanding to today. We're not saying that stop work and just go in full time. But your very whole outlook to life, how you see yourself, how you are raising your children. You, you are not here just to become an economist, a physician. What of becoming a physician and not being joined with him in his body? You have not arrived in your essence. What are you going to invest? Is it for your child just to become a physician? Or your child also coming into that relationship with Christ as the body to be, uh, be uh, the betrothed bride, to be joined with him? Is that what you are investing in? How, 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 what, is, what is impassioning your vision? What is impassioning you? Well, what are you living for? How are you uh, taking of, of, of your family? How are you thinking of yourself as a family? Are, are you just having a, a strong family relation just to have the comfort of it all? Or the reason of the, the strong family is because the family is now going to become part of God. And it's a process. And I'm in that process. May the Holy Spirit help us tonight. Catch the fire. Let this transform your life. Let it become a transforming thing. This is your encounter with God. To change your priorities. 
and what you pursue. Henceforth, let it be known, let it be seen that you are for Christ to become part of God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah.